Good morning, everybody. It's just good to see you all. Thanks for being here today. May God bless you all. And if you're new, we feel really privileged, really honored that you would be with us today. May God bless you. And God is here. The Holy Spirit's here. And, you know, church is such a good thing because it's, you know, we're together. We make friends. And that's all very, very positive. We interact. And this is a, a safe place. It's a positive place. But the most important thing is that we come together to worship Almighty God. And in an atmosphere like this, as we worship the Lord, then um, it's an atmosphere of possibilities. You know, we can bring our needs to the Lord and He can intervene in our lives. And so I'm just going to preach just for a short while this morning. (laughs) Well, it's just as well the communion was about forgiveness today. That's all I can say. But as we just look at God's word and as um, we receive some teaching today, I think God just bless you and be open-minded to the Lord. And, you know, there's nothing too difficult for the Lord. And we don't earn miracles. We don't earn blessings. We receive the favor of God by his grace. Haven't we been singing that today? His goodness is running after me. Amazing grace. Well, the Lord just loves you so, so much. And he wants to bless you today. So, you know, let's just be open-minded. And then when we get to the end of this short message today, we will will just take a moment before we leave just to make room for the Holy Spirit. We'll just calm down and just say, Lord, just touch me today. And you're going to go home better than you came. Now, if my voice sounds funny, it's been a bit funny lately. I don't know what's going on. Some people would say it sounds rather sexy. I don't really know. I think that was my wife saying that. Amen. But I do want to apologize um, for the quality of my voice. Not that it's normally that good anyway. But if I have a little cough, will you forgive me? I was doing a funeral on sometime last week. Tuesday we were doing a funeral. And um, first time it's ever happened in my life. There was just a little break while they had the eulogy. I actually had to leave the room to go and have a good cough. How about that? I was very, very embarrassed. So I trust that doesn't happen again today. Father, we just thank you for the presence of God. Thank you, Lord, for each other. We thank you, Lord, that you're with us and that you love us and you care for us. And we just pray for one another. We pray for everybody in this room. We've all got a journey. We've all got a story. We've all had a week. But Lord, you know everything about us and you love us and you care for us. And Lord, you want to build us today and bless us today. And especially, Lord, you want to help us to become stronger in our faith in the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Lord, we just give this message to you in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, today what we're going to do is that we're going to look at a Bible story. I'm just chewing my straps off right now. You can tell, can't you? We're going to look at a Bible story that's found in 1 Samuel, chapter 25. And the book of 1 Samuel is found in the first part of your Bible called the Old Testament. That's where it's found. Today's story may be a story that you're not familiar with. So what we're going to do is we're going to read the whole story from the Scriptures. And this story revolves around David. Remember the guy who killed Goliath? It revolves around him just after he killed Goliath, actually, and before he became the king. And this also concerns another man. His name was Nabal. Not Nabal, but Nabal. And uh, his wife, Abigail. It's a fascinating story. 
with some great life lessons to teach us. So if you're not familiar with it, here we go. We're just going to launch into it. So 1 Samuel chapter 25, verse 2. And we have the scriptures on the screen. It says, And David moved down to the wilderness of Maon. There was a wealthy man from Maon who owned property near the town of Carmel. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and it was sheep sharing time. So everybody, you might not be aware of this, but I just want to say that in the ancient world back then, if you had 3,000 sheep and if you had 1,000 goats, you were actually a very wealthy man. And we just read that it was sheep sharing time for this rich, wealthy man. And that was when he would actually make his money. And then after making his money, there would be the, or after the sheep sharing, there would be the traditional celebration uh, with a huge party afterwards. And then usually a wealthy sheep owner would also show generosity at, at that time by giving gifts to his workers and other people who have helped him out. Next verse says, This man's name was Nabal, and his wife Abigail was a sensible and beautiful woman. But Nabal, a descendant of Caleb, was crude and mean in all his dealings. So this Nabal, he was really an unpleasant man. Have you ever met unpleasant men before? Who's sitting next to an um, Just keep your hands there. <laughs> many, many Bible translations uh, use a different word to describe Nabal as they interpret from the, translate from the Hebrew. They use the word churlish. And churlish means to be unfriendly, bad-tempered, and impolite. Nabal was a mean person. He was a sort of guy that nobody really wanted to be around. His name Nabal means fool, which is kind of a strange name for someone to have. So his name was, that was probably his nickname. Nabal was probably his nickname because it's highly doubtful that any mother would look at a newborn baby and say, well, there's a fool. You know, that you just wouldn't do that, would you? <laughs> so it's probably a nickname. Next slide. When David heard that Nabal was sharing his sheep, he sent 10 of his young men to Carmel with this message for Nabal. Peace and prosperity to you, your family, and everything you own. I am told that it is sheep sharing time. While your shepherds stayed among us near Carmel, we never harmed them, and nothing was ever stolen from them. Ask your own men, and they will tell you this is true. So would you be kind to us, since we've come at a time of celebration? So David, he had a group of about 600 men. It was like a militia that he had. And those 600 men were with him at that time. And since, since he was in that area for a few months, he took it upon himself to be kind to Nabal. And he did this by making sure Nabal's flocks were kept safe from wild animals, bears, lions that were around in that time, and even from the Philistines. Because the Philistines, remember Goliath, he was a Philistine. Philistines would frequently send raiding parties into that region to steal and loot. So David's men were a deterrent to those raiding parties. And so Nabal benefited. He had a bumper flock to shear because of David's protection. Then David's young men continued. Please share any provisions you might have on hand with us and your friend David. David's young men gave this message to Nabal in David's name and they waited for a reply. Now, 
David was a shepherd himself in his early days. He knew that sharing time was party time. He knew the tradition that sheep farmers would be generous, hence the reason why he was asking for some food and supplies. So this was Nabal's reply to David's young men. Who is this fellow David? Nabal sneered to the young men. So Nabal's been really nasty. He knew who David was. Who is this fellow David? He knew who he was. Everyone knew that David had killed Goliath. And also Nabal knew that David and his men had protected his flock of sheep. He was just being awkward. Who does this son of Jesse think he is? There are lots of servants these days who run away from their masters. Should I take my bread and my water and my meat that I've slaughtered for my shearers and give it to a band of outlaws who come from who knows where? So David's young men returned and told him what Nabal had said. Get your swords, was David's reply, as he strapped on his own. Then 400 men started off with David and 200 remained behind to guard their equipment. Now this is where the story starts to heat up and get totally out of hand. Meanwhile, one of Nabal's servants went to Abigail and told her, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, but he screamed insults at them. How dumb could he be and still breathe? Seriously. (laughs) These men have been very good to us and we never suffered any harm from them. Nothing was stolen from us the whole time they were with us. In fact, day and night, they were like a wall of protection to us and the sheep. You need to know this and figure out what to do and quick, for there is going to be trouble for our master and his whole family. He's so ill-tempered that no one can even talk to him. That's what Nabal's servants are saying behind his back. What a loser. So... Abigail wasted no time. She quickly gathered 200 loaves of bread, two wineskins full of wine, five sheep that had been slaughtered, nearly a bushel of roasted grain, 100 clusters of raisins and 200 fig cakes. Wow, wow, wow. It's amazing what a woman can do. If you want a job done, ask a woman. So Abigail, Abigail got some food quickly and easily. And the reason why was because there was just so much food to spare. You know, Nabal had so much food to give away, seriously. So Abigail packed them on donkeys and said to her servants, Go on ahead, I will follow you shortly. But she didn't tell her husband Nabal what she was doing. He wouldn't have listened anyway. He was such a bad person. As she was riding her donkey into a mountain ravine, she saw David and his men coming towards her. Now David... Next slide. David had just been saying a lot of good it did to help this fellow. We protected his flocks in the wilderness and nothing he owned was lost or stolen. But he has repaid me evil for good. May God strike me and kill me if even one man of his household is still alive tomorrow morning. Whoa, what is this guy saying? Look at what he said. 
Clearly, the more David talked about Nabal, the angrier he got. Is anybody else like that? (laughs) See, Nabal was his problem. But David got himself so worked up that he wanted to kill everybody. Kill everybody. Kill the trees. Kill the grass. Kill the sheep. Kill the animals. Let's just kill everybody. He wanted to wipe them all out. Was David a bad man? No. No, he wasn't. We're talking about a good man who lost his temper. We're talking about David, the sweet psalmist. Yeah, really sweet. David, the guy who wrote, The Lord is my shepherd. (laughs) This is a guy who's called a man after God's own heart. This was David, the ancestor of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. This is a guy that said, May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This is that guy. And I don't think the words of his mouth were very pleasing to the Lord on that particular day. David was going nuts over Nabal. And he intended to slaughter a whole bunch of innocent people because he allowed that one stupid fool to get under his skin. This was not a good day for David. This was not David at his best. Anybody here had a day like that? You know what I like about real life churches is that you're all honest. You're really all honest. You know, I just know you've all had a day like that. You know, where you just lost the plot. And... When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed low before him. This is one smart lady. She fell at his feet and said, I accept all blame in this matter. She hadn't done a thing wrong. I accept all the blame in this matter, my Lord. Please listen to what I have to say. I know Nabal is a wicked and ill-tempered man. She's married to him. You've got to say, how did you end up with a guy like that? And she says, please don't pay any attention to him. He is a fool, just as his name suggests. But I never even saw the young men you sent. Is that your phone, best friend? Next slide. Number Lord. As surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, since the Lord has kept you from murdering and taking vengeance in your own hands, let all your enemies and those who try to harm you be cursed as Nabal is. And here, this is, this is what she says, and here is a present that I, your servant, have brought to you and young, young men. She's talking about food and supplies. Please forgive me if I've offended you in any way. Calming him down. The Lord will surely reward you with a lasting dynasty, for you are fighting the Lord's battles, getting him back into perspective. And you've not done wrong throughout your entire life. Even when you are chased by those who seek to kill you, Your life is safe in the care of the Lord your God. Secure in his treasure pouch. This woman is so smart. She remembers David and Goliath. She remembers the pouch. Now she's using that. You're securing securing God's treasure pouch. But the lives of your enemies will disappear like stones shot from a sling. 
What a smart lady. When the Lord has done all he promised has made you leader of Israel, don't let this be a blemish on your record. Then your conscience won't have to bear the staggering burden of needless bloodshed and vengeance. And when the Lord has done these great things for you, please remember me, your servant. Wow. Yeah, really smart. David replied to Abigail, Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you to meet me today. Thank God for your good sense. Bless you for keeping me from murder and from carrying out vengeance with my own hands. For I swear by the Lord, the God of Israel, who's kept me from hurting you, that if you had not hurried out to meet me, not one of Nabal's men would still be alive tomorrow morning. Then Nabal accepted a present and told her, return home in peace. I've heard what you said. We will not kill your husband. Well, that was nice. (laughs) David had calmed down. He finally turned to his senses. Then when Abigail arrived home, she found that Nabal was throwing a big party and was celebrating like a king. He was very drunk, so she didn't tell him anything about her meeting with David until the next day. In the morning, when Nabal was sober, his wife told him what had happened. As a result... He had a stroke and he lay paralyzed on his bed like a stone. And about 10 days later, the Lord struck him and he died. What a great story. What do you reckon, everybody? (laughs) It's a bit of a nasty story, really, isn't it? But you've got to ask the question. It's in the Bible. Why why would a story like this be in the, the Bible? Well, God puts stories like this in the Bible, as warnings, exhortations, encouragement, teaching and learning. And so that's why it's good to read your Bible. So let's just look at the three people in this story. Shall we do that, everybody? There's Nabal, David, Abigail, and each of them has something to say to us at Real Life Church today. So what does Nabal have to teach us in this story? Well, we learn that God... We learn that God does not want any of us to be like Nabal. How do we know that God doesn't want anybody to be like Nabal? We know it because God killed Nabal. (laughs) It's pretty straightforward, isn't it, really? Not a lot of deep theology going on here. Pretty straightforward. Killed him at the end of the story. God judged him. We read that Nabal had a stroke and he died 10 days later. And, and you know, interestingly, he left his wealth behind. You know, when you die, you can't take your wealth with you. So let's just establish this. Nabal really is a bad guy in this story. Nabal means fool. But in the Bible, the word fool has a moral quality to it where it means more than someone who does silly things. Because sometimes we all do silly things, don't we? Three of you. And... <laughs> And sometimes we make mistakes. Of course we do, bad judgment, we make a mistake. But just because you've done something silly, it doesn't mean that you're a a fool. Nabal was described as a fool because he was evil. He was mean. He was just nasty to people. He was tight-fisted. He was rude. He was absorbed with himself. He didn't want to help anybody. And his big mouth... And self-centeredness cost him his life at the end. 
As an Israelite, Nabal probably attended the place of worship, if you like. He could say he went to church. And he did the sacrifices that they used to do in those days that were required of him. No doubt about that. So he knew about God. But knowing about God did not mean that he knew God. Knowing about God doesn't mean that you know God. And it didn't stop him being described as a fool. He was a fool because he treated people badly. And when you treat people badly, that's evil. Even his wife said that Nabal was a wicked and ill-tempered man. And no one wants to hang out with a rude, ill-tempered man like Nabal. Now, thank God that nobody here is like Nabal. I think. Nonetheless, we must watch out that we don't allow ourselves to lean towards any Nabal tendencies. We must steer away. Please listen. We must steer away from being rude to people or just being mean or being tight-fisted or self-absorbed. When you talk with people, don't just talk about yourself. Listen to what other people have to say. Some people are so self-absorbed. Yuck, 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 talking about themselves. And you'll say, oh, my mother passed away this week. And they'll say, oh, that's good. And they'll carry on talking about themselves. You know, seriously, let's not be so self-absorbed. Instead of being like Nabal, let's be like Jesus. What was Jesus like? Well, the Bible says... Love is patient. This is 1 Corinthians. You're familiar with this. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. That is a description of how Jesus is. Jesus Christ is patient and kind. Jesus Christ is love. And we want to be like Jesus. You know, people hung around. Even the kids hung around Jesus, didn't they? People hung around Jesus because he was good and kind to them. He was kind. The children hung around around him because he was kind to kids too. And you know, if you want to have friends, you've got to be good and kind to people. So remember that God judged Nabal for the way he treated other people. It does raise a question, how are we treating other people? So therefore, let us be well-mannered with all people. Let's be respectful. Let's be kind. Let's be generous. Let's not be self-absorbed, but rather let's be empathetic with others. That's a good place to say amen. amen. So that's what we learned from Nabal. What does David have to say to us in this story? Well... He got pretty angry, didn't he? The book of Proverbs says this. says, do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered. Or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. If you hang out with angry people, you have to be really careful because you can learn their ways. And that's not good. You know, when a match... I was going to bring some matches in today and demonstrate it, but I forgot. Anybody got a box of matches? Not today. Some in the office. Okay, Rochelle. Rochelle's got some matches. Amen. But you know how a match works. 
when when a match scratches a rough surface, it ignites. It goes off. It gets lit. There's a flame. Some people are like a match. Just rub them the wrong way and they go off. They get lit. Boom! And they ignite. They go from zero anger to full-blown anger in seconds. Have you ever met those kind of people? Don't look at anybody right now. I've all met people like that. Some people are like that on the roads. Cut them off by mistake. And they want to run you off the road. Nobody here would ever do that. Some people are like this at home. And so the whole family, when you've got somebody like that in your house, the whole family has to walk around on eggshells in case they say the wrong thing and the match ignites in their house once again. See, David was a good man. He really did care for people and he really did love God. And yet even the great David had a bad day when his anger got the better of him. Just think for a moment about David's disproportionate response to Nabal's insults. Nabal, fool that he was, insulted David's men. And then David said, because of Nabal's insults, he was going to kill everybody. He got insulted. But you want to kill everybody? That's just crazy. David went over the top with his response. His runaway temper caused him to lose all sense of perspective. And isn't that what anger does to us all sometimes? A runaway temper? There's no proportionality in your thinking when your anger gets the better of you. The smallest thing can set us off and then we respond with an avalanche. It doesn't make sense, does it? And this is in the story, this story is in the Bible for us because it's a warning to be careful and remember that you are not immune from losing your temper. So be on your guard because the world's always trying to make everybody angry. Now, right now, you look perfect, everybody. You're doing fine because you're in church. But later on, at home or tomorrow, At work, it may be a different story for you. Someone is going to rub you up the wrong way this week. Someone is going to upset you. Someone will cut you off on the road. How are you going to react? God is saying to us, Do not be easy angered. Exercise self-control. The Bible says human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. You know, if your anger gets the better of you, then you will say things and do things that you may regret for the rest of your life. And when you say things in anger, you just can't take them back. You know when they leave your mouth? You know when you're having that argument with your your wife or your husband, everybody, and it leaves your mouth? You said it. It's now out there. You can't go. It doesn't come back in. It's gone. It's out there. And although people are kind and will forgive you, words said in anger can still linger and hurt for months afterwards. They even may come back to bite you later. Angry, unwise words can lead to the loss of your job. 
It can lead to a breakdown in your marriage. Or the loss of a friend. Two friends having an argument, bang, they're done. They said things were said that should not have been said. An angry swing of a fist or even a push can injure or kill someone. Road rage can lead to an accident. So in this story, David teaches us that we're all vulnerable to our anger getting the best of us. So manage yourself in this difficult world in which we live. Manage yourself and know your triggers. If your anger starts to rise, quickly nip your anger in the bud before it explodes. Watch your mouth and walk away. Perhaps seek help if necessary. But most importantly, stay close to Jesus Christ because we need his help every day. We need to remember that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. What does Abigail teach us? Well, Abigail is a hero in this story without a doubt. She was an extraordinary person. She made a quick assessment of the situation And she knew that her husband and his servants were as good as dead if she did not act. She took control at the risk of her own life. And she went and stood in David's pathway and got his attention. She bowed low. She made no angry remarks to upset him. She calmed David down and she helped him return to his senses. And because of her bravery and wisdom... Abigail saved the lives of many men. Abigail was a peacemaker. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Peacemaking is what the children of God do. Many years ago, a few years ago, I confessed to the church, and some of you will remember this, and I needed to confess to the church. At the time, I nearly assaulted a postman. I've nearly assaulted a few over the years, amen, but this was a bad one. So, um, Rochelle and I, we were home, and we were doing our housework. Rochelle was one end of the house, I was at the other. When there was a loud knocking on my door, really bang, somebody really thumped the door hard. That irritates me straight away. (laughs) Don't hit my door so hard, you know. Anyway, I opened the door and the postman was there. And instead of leaving it at the, the, uh, you know, down the end of the driveway, he drove it right up to my door. I'm trying to justify my actions. Anyway, (laughs) I'll I'll try not to do that. And he, he, he rode his bike up to my door and he had a package for me. And so I just opened the door to get the package. And he's sort of leaning on his bike. It was kind of awkward. But I, I got out just to grab the package. I can't even remember what the package was. But as I did, my little dog shot past me to bark at the postman's bike. This caused the postman to panic. And so he dropped his bike. And uh, he broke his posty flagpole. That irritated me. Irritated him. I went to scoop up my dog, but the postman then took a few swings of my dog with his boot to try and kick my dog. 
That, I was starting to get really angry. That made it hard for me then to pick my dog up because the dog, you know, was avoiding the kicks and all that. And he was getting all excited at the attention he was getting. So I just got mad at the postman. And so I had to stop him. I said, I said to him, please do not kick my dog. Fair enough. But he just wouldn't listen. And he tried to kick my dog again. So I got really angry. And so I said to him that if he kicked my dog or tried to kick my dog anymore, then I would hit him in the head. <laughs> he had a helmet on and everything. I just didn't care. I just didn't care. He said, you touch my dog, I'm going to hit you in the head. You need to know that's what's going to happen. Now, what's really important to this story is that I've never hit anybody in the head before. <laughs> I don't even know what, it, what happens. And the other thing is, it's not something that I do. And also, I don't threaten people. I don't do that. I, I don't try to hurt people. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want to hurt anybody. But my anger is my dog. Just got the better of me. And he wasn't listening. And that just was not the best me that particular day. So he tried to kick the dog once more. Well, I told him what's going to happen. So I walked towards him. I was going to, I wanted to put my fist right through his helmet and see how he liked that, you know. He backed off. I was out of control. And just before the brawl with the postman started, (laughs) this voice boomed and said, Stop it, you two, and grow up. Came out of nowhere. And there was Rochelle standing in the doorway. <laughs> she just stopped me dead in my tracks, stopped the postman. Even the dog was shocked as well, you know. <laughs> and she pointed a finger at me and she said, This is true. She said, You get in the house right now. She didn't say, she didn't say, David, she didn't say, darling, would you mind? I was reduced to a you. She was, she was scary. And the whole thing just stopped. And I, I just knew what to do. So I just did as I was told. I really did. And you know, the really dumb thing with this is that the dog followed me as well. And he was like this. Yeah. We went in the house. it's true and then she wasn't finished then she turned her attention to the postman and she gave him a lecture about his behaviour and then she told him to to go sent him off he left his flag behind though and I'll put that in the bit later (laughs) and I do want you to know I did follow through and apologise I also got a phone call from the council telling me that I need to control my dog so I got in a little bit of trouble anyway um But once in the house, Rochelle calmly spoke to me and kindly spoke to me. She changed tune as I'd now come to my senses. And I was very embarrassed. And even though we're having a laugh about it today, I am really ashamed of my behaviour. It was just terrible. I should never have done that to that poor postman. He did not deserve to have me treat him like that at all. There's no excuse. But that's what anger can do to you. It was not a good day for me. Caught me. In other words, I was focused on something else and bang, it sent me off and... It just, just caught me. But what if I'd hit him? What if I'd hurt him? 
What if I caused him to fall over and he got a serious injury? How, how could I live with myself if I'd done that? I would never want to hurt anybody. What if it, I'd hit him and it didn't hurt him at all and then he hit me? <laughs> what if you hurt me? What if I'd been charged by the police for assault? And, you know, and then you come to a church and your pastor's been charged for assault. It doesn't go down well, does it? But I, but I had a peacemaker. Rochelle was my Abigail. She saved me. She saved the postman. <laughs> I'm so glad she was there. I'm just so embarrassed. I just would never, would never want that situation to ever happen again. It's funny, but when it was happening, it wasn't good. I scared myself. But this is what peacemakers do. And God sends peacemakers into our lives. Amen. What if Rochelle had been out? But she was there because I believe God wanted to be there. Because he knew I was going to need a peacemaker because it was not my best day. So what have we learned from this fascinating story in the Bible? Firstly, we've learned that God has not called us to be like Nabal. We don't want to be like Nabal. So we need to ask Jesus to make us polite and kind and not self-centered. We want to be like Jesus. We want to be like Jesus. You know what the world needs now? Is people being like Jesus. People who are kind. Everybody's so mad out there. Secondly, we learn from David that even good people can lose perspective when they get angry. Even good people can do some really dumb things. So don't be an angry person. Don't be, don't be a match. Don't be like the match. And let God vindicate you if you have enemies. And everybody has enemies. You can generate enemies without even trying. But let God vindicate you. God dealt with Nabal, and in the end, David didn't have, need to have to do anything. God will take care of you, of you as well. He will protect you from your enemies. Amen. That's a good place to say amen. amen. Thirdly, we learn from Abigail that God wants us to be people who sow peace, people who speak words of healing, people who speak kind words and wise words. They're the kind of people that God wants us to be. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And finally, the other thing from this story, remember when David says, praise the Lord, I believe the Lord sent you. Remember that bit? Well, let's also remember to give thanks to God for his protection. Let's, let's remember out of this story to thank God for his protection when we're behaving like idiots. Let's thank God for his protection. Let's thank him for his forgiveness. Let's thank him for his kindness that he shows to us even when we're having a bad day. And that's the end of the message. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're just going to pray. We're going to have this moment. I said that we'd finish off with just making a moment for the Holy Spirit, God, to work in our hearts right now, in your heart. A work that only God can do. My intention today is just to encourage you in Jesus' name. I don't want to embarrass anybody. But you know, anger can also become a habit. I remember even as a young man when I was in high school, I went to Belmont High and I found it very, very difficult. And I found in high school, I used to compensate by just being angry all the time. I thought that would be a wall of protection. But the problem is, 
is that when I gave myself over to anger, I couldn't stop it. I just remember that. I remember having so much struggle with anger that I allowed to become an a-, a habit in my life. I remember having to seek God for help. Sometimes, you know, we let, don't restrain ourselves. We don't exercise self-control and we just get angry all the time. We're angry at this, angry at that, angry at the government, angry at the referendum, angry at the bank, angry at the kids, just angry. Got to calm down. Just calm down. And if today, every head bowed, every eye closed, you need God's help if you've got an anger issue going on. And if today you're saying, yeah, I, 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 I want to be honest. I'm just so hot-tempered. Like, things are just getting to me. I'm just losing all perspective. And I love people around me, but I say things I shouldn't say. Would you pray for me today? Yeah, Absolutely. But you've got to own up to it. That's what repentance is. Repentance is owning up to it so God can step in and do a work in your life. And if you've got an anger issue that, you know, it's just getting out of hand. You need God's help today. We'd love to pray for you. Can I pray for you right now? Just give me a wave of your hand if that's you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Lots of people. God bless you. Yeah, hey, we live in an angry world, don't we, huh? God bless you, sir. God bless you. Anybody else? We're just going to pray. And Father, we just pray for all those precious people. Lord, have owned up to the fact, Lord, that things are just getting a bit out of control. The temper's running away from them too often. Things just work them up. They get lit and boom, they explode. Maybe these family members, Lord, just becoming weary of them and walk around on eggshells and home's a bit hard. And so we pray for people in the family here today, people part of our faith community here today, people who need a touch from God. We just pray you'll help them. Lord, they're owning it. They're, they're repenting. They, they admit, Lord, they've got an anger issue going on there. And Lord, before it gets completely out of control, we just pray for mercy. We pray for help. Pray for those who raise their hands today. We just pray for mercy and help for them today. We just pray, Jesus, that you'll become big in their life. We just pray for the power of the Holy Spirit, that enabling for them, Lord, just to be able to walk away, to turn their back on the anger and to keep their senses and to stay in peace. We just pray this in the name of Jesus. Lord, we don't want to be angry people. Lord, we want to be peacemakers. We want to be like Abigail, Lord. We don't want to sow anger. We want to sow words of peace, words of healing, kind words. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, you'll encourage those, Lord, today, Lord, who need a touch from you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah.